morning. Our Old Testament reading today is in Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 to 19a. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malan and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that you may become your husbands? Turn back. My daughters, go, to your, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the, and the women said, is this Naomi? This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson today is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The free redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. And our gospel reading today from John's gospel in the third chapter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. In Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done to bring this family together and all that you continue to do to hold this family together. We pray that you move by your spirit at this time, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us rest in your promises for us in Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. All right, like we had started last week, we're going to start with the theme verse of this whole Rooted and Growing campaign with Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And so if you would say this along with me. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right. We started last week with rooted in creation. And we saw where God has not only taken us and placed us in the middle of his creation as his creation to care for his creation, but that's exactly where he planted Adam and Eve as well. And so in that garden, in that perfect setting where they were perfectly provided for and perfectly cared for and perfectly created, everything looked good. Actually, it's better than that. God said it was very good. And they were rooted in the middle of that creation in order to care for that creation, to have dominion over the earth in order to steward all of the things and be God's representative in the middle of his creation to care for it minister to it, to take care of one another even. And as they were rooted in that place, in this perfect paradise, whether it was moments or days or whatever the time frame was, all of a sudden things started to change because those things were very good. They were tempted with one simple word that went against the very clear and simple word of God of don't eat from that tree. All the others are there for you. All the others that provide fruit are there for you for food. All the other ones that are green and there are for you to enjoy and take care of. But that one tree of good and evil, 
Don't eat from that one. That's the law. Don't do it. Know that I will provide for you without you having to take for yourself. So don't reach out to that one. They were created in God's image. His creative, giving image. This perfect image of being there for one another. And then after they heard that word and said, well, maybe God didn't quite mean what he said. And maybe this tree really is okay. And you know what? We'll just get to know a little bit more and be a little bit more like God. And the next thing we see is them cowering in the darkness of a corner hidden under some hedges, knowing that the good that they once had was now covered in this darkness of shame and guilt, a feeling they had never known before until they knew of this knowledge of good and evil. A weight of darkness and shame that covered them. They hid themselves away knowing that they couldn't do anything to remove themselves from that situation and that now they just wanted to hide from God and stay in the darkness because they knew the light of God would shine into the middle of that and show where they were wrong. And they knew they were wrong, but now there was nothing that they could do about it. Because once you're in that spot, the darkness starts to get kind of comfortable. It's a place that you can back into. And as we look through church history and hear of all of the folks that have thought through all of the verses and all those kind of things, there's, there's folks throughout history that are brilliant theologians and that talk about these things. One of them is named Augustine. And we can talk more about who that is at another time, but based on these verses, he had a great quote. He said, people love truth when it shines on them and hate it when it rebukes them. And imagine Adam and Eve sitting in the middle of that garden loving the truth of God's presence, shining on them, shining on the good things that they were doing to care for creation. But now, in that moment, wrapped up in the darkness of the guilt and shame, hiding away, they didn't want anything to do with God's light or His truth or His presence, because all it was going to do was point them directly back into themselves to show where they were wrong. As he goes on, he says, they love truth when it reveals itself and hate it when it reveals them. Probably felt something similar along those ways. I know I did as a kid. Uh, there was a wonderful weekend where one of my best friends at school, uh, who we only got into a little bit of trouble together, with at times, but one of my best friends from school, we decided it was going to be a great idea to have a sleepover at the house, and we put a tent out in the backyard and just had a wonderful time out there camping in the middle of Bakersfield, right? and so in the backyard in the middle of our neighborhood, and uh, somewhere in the darkness of the night and the uh, mischievousness, mischievousness, there you go, of uh, sixth graders, we thought it'd be fun to... Uh, pick on our friends. So a couple of my neighbors happened to be classmates. So we thought it'd be a really good idea in the middle of the night to throw fruit at their houses from our backyard. And we happened to have a plum tree. Okay? And ripe plums are really fun to throw and listen, land, listen to land because they kind of splat a little bit. And so we had picked up these plums and we were throwing them right across the fence at our friend's roof. And that was fun. And then we realized one of our other friends had a pool. 
and a little bit harder throw, we could get those things right across diagonally, and then you'd hear the plop of the plum in the pool. And it was great. We were having a blast. Until, like, friends' parents came out into the backyard. Not our backyard, but the backyard right next door. And we noticed that they had flashlights, and they were kind of concerned about what was going on, and so we'd go hide in a tent. You know, it's still really dark outside. They could see a little bit, but they couldn't quite figure it out. And then we heard, like, the squelch of a policeman's radio. So we got kind of quiet at that point. The next morning, we get up. (laughs) You ever been so guilty you're sick? You know, here we are at 11 years old. He's already gone home. I'm sitting in my room. My mom and my stepdad come in, and they say, so did you guys have a good night? Yeah, it was fun. What did you do? Not much. Sat in the tent, talked. Oh. Uh, you know anything about plums at people's houses? No. Who would do that? We wouldn't do that. Oh, well, the neighbor thought that there were robbers trying to lure them out so they could steal all their stuff. And another one uh, has some messed up pool equipment. Really? That's terrible. Whole time, just knotted up. I could tell my parents knew but they were just letting me writhe and wriggle in it for a little while, I think. See, in the light of the sun and the light coming into the middle of all the darkness that was going on, all of the truth was revealed, and it revealed exactly that we had done it because my house was the only house on the block with a plum tree. There was no one else that it could have been at all. It had to come from our backyard. So they were even asking, did anybody walk in the backyard last night if it wasn't you guys? No, we didn't see anybody. Oh, okay. When the light reveals itself and the truth reveals itself, we often like it. When it reveals something outside of us, something out there, but we tend to like our dark corners sometimes. And we do a really good job hiding those dark corners a lot of times, too, because we'll hide it between smiles and I'm fines and just kind of hold within ourselves and let the light shine on all the good things that are going on. But we rarely ever want that light shining in the darker corners because that gets really vulnerable and really hard to deal with. All of a sudden, the truth starts to get revealed. The conscience of our sin, we want to avoid the judgment takes us right back to Adam and Eve in the garden, conscience of their sin, knowing good and evil, they did not want to deal with the judgment of God by any means. They didn't want to deal with that word that was coming in because now they knew what it was like to feel guilty and to feel broken. In creation, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. You carry that same image, that creative giving image. That's what we talked about last week. But see, that created image now is corrupted as well. And so as we have this corrupted image of God within us, we still carry on the knowledge of good and evil. We just really like to point out everybody else's evil and show everybody our own good, right? But just like Adam and Eve, none of that ever gets us anywhere close to God. There isn't anything within us that is able to actually earn our place before God at all. And so when we hear these verses of they love the darkness rather than the light, we kind of go, yeah, I see that. But I'd love the light to shine on my good stuff too. We look at these verses, there's another church father, his name's Tertullian. 
And he says, the things that make us luminaries of the world are these, are good works. What is good, moreover, provided what is true and full, does not love darkness. It rejoices in being seen and exults over the very recognition it receives. See, these good things that we like to do, these good things that show the light, we do enjoy doing them. We just want to take the glory for ourselves a lot of times, but in all truth, those good things that are done through us to care for creation is God working through us. Just like Adam and Eve cowering in that dark corner, we need something to pull us out of that darkness, a light to come into the middle of that darkness and bring us into the light so that the things that we do that are shown in the light don't so much point to ourselves but point to Christ. And there isn't anything on ourselves that gets us there. And so being rooted in creation for all the things that we need to do and all the things of who we are by God's hand and what he has made us to be, we also need to be rooted in something else. We need to be rooted in redemption. When all of creation got broken, there was something needed to buy it back. There was something needed to run into that darkness and bring it to the light. There was something needed to grab a hold of us and take us out of that dark place as well and bring us into the kingdom of the sun, into the light, into this presence of God that is like no other. We needed Jesus, the light of the world. The very Word of God, the Son of God who walked into the world, the light that came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. In fact, the darkness had no idea what to do with it. I mean, you've seen a dark room before, right? And you can just light the tiniest little light, a little match, light up the light on your phone, whatever you want to do. You add just a little bit of light into that darkness and the darkness scatters. It can't consume even that light. Now imagine the Son of God Himself walking into the corrupted creation that he was there to make and the things that happened when he was present. I mean, creation reacting before its creator is he would walk around and healings would happen and all these wonderful things would happen because of the word of God made flesh present in and amongst his creation. What a beautiful thing to see. So we continue to wonder then, where are we in that redemption of things? But we know that Christ died for us. We know that he rose for us. We know that he has given all of himself to us and forgives us our sins and calls us family, calls us children of God and brothers and sisters in all of the work that he has done for our benefit. Wraps God's promises around us in baptism and we are then raised as he was raised into a new life, into that righteousness of God. A church father, Augustine again. But if God has discovered everyone's works to be evil, how is it that any have done the truth and come to the light? There's a few more words, and then he continues on. God accuses your sins, and if you accuse them too, you are joined to God. You must hate your own work and love the work of God in you. It's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. There's a lot of work we do that's really good and beneficial, and there's a lot of work outside of the Christian church that's really good and beneficial. See, when we start to think, of that coming from within ourselves. Though it may be good for others for a time, we miss the fact that it's God carrying through us to bring that world back into himself. 
as we continue to go on through this campaign, you hear a lot about making sure that we're able to cover bills and cover mortgages and cover all those sorts of things. And that's true. That's the business end of things. But in an ability to be able to do that, what that then does is free the church up to be able to reach out into the communities, to show God's light into the middle of the places that need to see it and hear it, to hear his word of truth, of the forgiveness of sins, to hear us point to him, to work through his church for the good of all that's around us. Augustine continues, this is how you begin to do the truth. You come to the light so that your works may be shown to originate in God. And you have come to the light because this very sin in you which displeases you would not displease you if God did not shine on you and his truth show it to you. We talk about hearing God's word. And that word sometimes is really hard to hear because that word, that truth of that word, the light of that word shines into our darkness and it says, look, these things that are dark need to be revealed and forgiven. But see, the light still isn't shut off at that point. Because look, those things that you've been holding on to in the dark, those are forgiven. They're forgiven by Christ, who died and went down into the darkness and the depths of hell and then sat in the grave for three days and then rose again to come out of that darkness into the light so that his light would shine throughout all of the world. When his word is preached, when his word is spoken into people's darkness, when his word is present in the middle of our lives, that very word shines like no other word out there. It brings us into the presence of that light. It chases us down in the midst of the darkness so that light would shine in the middle of our lives, not by our own doing, but by his. We're rooted in the redemption that he has won for us. Last quote from Augustine here. Jesus declares that the works of the one who comes to the light are wrought or worked out in God because he is quite aware that his redemption, his justification, results from no merits of his own, but from the grace of God. Our works that we do, the things that we take care of day to day, the gifts God gives you that you share with the people around you are things that God works out through you for the benefit of the folks that are around you. The folks that are right here, that gather together on a Sunday or in the middle of the week for studying and learning God's word as well, but then also for the folks that you get to interact with throughout the week. The people that get to see God's work in you, whether it's a joy that you hold on to because of what God has done for you in the middle of something that would wreck somebody else in the middle of life. Whether it's hope in the middle of despair, Whatever the case may be, we have this beautiful promise of God that we have been redeemed and bought back from all of the corrupted and brokenness and we have been bought back from that domain of darkness and brought into the light of his son Jesus. That light shines on you every single moment, every single day. It's by God's grace that we're rooted in that redemption. It's by God's grace that we are children of the light and it's by his giving hand that we give all the gifts to all those around us that he has first given to us first and foremost that beautiful light that he has given to you in christ that's the light that shines in our lives each day amen would you pray with me dear heavenly father we thank you for the light that you have shown into the world and we pray that you would continue to work through your church 
and send it out into all the places where your light needs to shine and where your word needs to be heard. We pray that you would continually be present with us in all the places that would try and make darkness overwhelm that light. Yet we know that that darkness can't. That you are the true light and that you continue to be present where you promise day in and day out. Here in this place and as we go forward as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as you're able and we will sing.